And as I call in the east, I walk into the stream. And as I call in the south, I bring water to my mouth. And as I call in the west, the creek swallows my chest. And as I call in the north, I am swallowed by her source. Hello everyone and welcome to Rio Cosmico, a podcast about healing. The Rio Cosmico podcast is brought to you by Rio Cosmico Homestead, our seasonal ceremonial microvillage and library of earth magic. I'll be your host, Yaya Erin Rivera Merriman, and as always, gracias, hahom, goramayagat. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. We're joined today by multidimensional healing artist, intuitive herbalist, ancestral channel, poet, and teacher, Jaguar Woman, whose work shares ways to connect with Mother Earth using plant medicine and ceremony. Welcome, Jaguar. Thanks so much for making space to connect today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have lots of curiosities, so we'll see where the river takes us. Uh, I always like to begin by grounding our perceptions of our guests in their humanness. So would love to ask what you were like as a child and what some of the early life experiences and challenges you faced that have shaped who you are today. (laughs) That's really good. Okay. I was thinking about this recently too, because I actually am right now in my mama's house. I mean, it's my mother and father's house. But, you know, it's a Caribbean home, so it's my mama's house. <laughs> so I get to ask my mom all the time, like, what did I used to do? Which is magical because of the car accident. I also went through, like, complete forgetting and then kind of remembering of certain, like, stages of life. So anytime mm-hmm. somebody, I know we're not talking about that yet, but anytime when someone asks me about childhood, it feels kind of like, are these memories real? Like, were they told to me? Because it all of that got rebooted, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm a minister's daughter. And I grew up, like, very, like, I'm the Seventh-day Adventist daughter of a Caribbean minister. Like, who would be doing, like, tent revivals and, like, traveling around, preaching, baptizing people in the river. So it's funny sometimes when I feel like I've gone, I've wandered way off in another direction than my roots. And then I realized, no, it's exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, yeah. Wait, but then what was the second part of the question? It was like, what were you like as a child? And then like, what are some of the early life challenges, like family of origin or like just coming into yourself that have shaped who you are? Yeah. Yeah, true. I feel like being a minister's daughter is a big thing that shaped like how I see the world. And then that kind of like being a child of nomadic missionaries who are kind of academic, Caribbean, immigrant, like those frequencies definitely shaped me. And I even the times when I thought I was like running away or like rebelling from them, those moments shaped me. And then the moments now as I become more a woman, like grounded in myself, I feel really that they're foundational for me. I still feel very like the vibe of being like church like i still love that like church feeling you know and i Mm -hmm. think that's what i try to find in community and 
in creating community is that feeling of church. And I sometimes miss church. I would like singing choir. I was that girl. I would like lead the singing. <laughs> um, I used to, I played piano. I played piano very seriously. So I would like play in church and then sing. I would write my own little Jesus songs. Like I love him so much. And like he's playing the piano. <laughs> I was oh. into it. I was into it. And then I think that aspect of me that like, if I'm believing something or believing isn't the word, but if I'm feeling it in my heart, then I'm really authentically feeling it. And once I, in the time when my, to my parents that I was probably quote rebelling or when I was getting real witchy, you know, that was really alarming for them, but I wasn't feeling any dissonance with the way I was raised. I wasn't like in my mind trying to rebel. It was all working together. Well, thank you for sharing that. There is a, I think it's part of the medicine of like drawing the sacred circle of ritual, which I do consider this or session space, what that circle is for me, like what that magic is, is kind of saying like all the places where we authentically overlap, like let's align them. And it doesn't mean we don't have places where we don't overlap, but we just don't need to be doing that right now. Uh, So I'm always (laughs) amazed by what people share, whether it's something of their ancestry or something of their upbringing that I'm like, Oh, me too. And so I, I get even little self-conscious that people will be annoyed with me that I'm always like, me too, me too. Me too. <laughs> but it's so exciting to me, some kind of evidence of the magic, but my family went to church in a really, a way that I still really resonate with. Like my father asked him if he believed in God. And he said, well, my parents didn't really take me to church when I was younger. So by the time I learned that church existed, I was already too gelled as a person to really take it seriously. So I always told myself, if I have kids, I'm going to take them to church when they're younger, just so they have a chance to maybe connect with something or believe in. I thought that was even to to bring us into that. And there was always the singing. It was like, I was going to choir practice every week and singing yes, in choir, choir every practice. Sunday where I was wearing a pentagram and combat boots and a gauzy black dress and sitting in the choir, you know, singing in the choir. Like I didn't feel that there was any, any disconnect between those things. And thankfully my church didn't either. Like nobody at my church batted an eyelash. They were like, seemed their parents, their families, they seemed to understand like teenagehood and like still, held me in like the person who was wanted to get the solo in the choir and like sing the <laughs> lead the Christmas pageant and whatever. So I still feel that way. I'm actually going to an outdoor ceremony tomorrow that it's like church actually, this particular tradition and everyone I know like doesn't want to come because like, <laughs> I don't want like syncretic Catholic with my medicine traditions or with my like shamanic work and I don't feel a conflict with that so yeah it's nice to meet in that place today you know I was thinking about on the level of like the soul incarnating into the reality kind of like the storyline that's going to best like suit its adventure through the earth realm you know it's like I'm imagining into it and I do find there's something that feels special about choosing to like come through into a family that's really focused on God, regardless of the different way or how they're expressing it, you know, it's like that little soul being like, okay, like, I want to go here and like go to church. I imagine the soul like looking at the family and saying like, okay, 
cool. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna come through as this Seventh Day Adventist black girl named Lavon because that's my name. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be an amazing adventure. <laughs> And so it is. And so it is. And, you know, I think of you as somebody who's having an amazing adventure, despite like lots of of the requisite dose of human karmas, you know? (laughs) That's good. A sprinkle of karmas here and there. (laughs) uh, I'm attracted to the fact that you seem to have a sense of humor about it all. It's, uh, you know, there's no other way. I always say, I'm always saying, even like in sessions, like, well, just zoom out and watch your life like a movie, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, it's pretty funny. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I get to say that because I've been through all sorts of shit. So it's like, it's pretty funny. I know we can't control like, okay, so, you know, say you're, you're watching a movie and then you see like a little boy, he's running alongside of the water and then there's a huge dinosaur like running behind him. So if there is ominous soundtrack underneath that, then that's a really scary scene. But if there's kind of like, then you're like, oh, are they friends? Are they just frolicking? Like what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So that's me. I just try to keep the soundtrack underneath whatever drama is happening. Just like, it's a rom-com. It's a (laughs) rom-com. The universe is like, you have combo in the desert. I mean, you have like Coco. In the desert, you're alone, you're like sweating, and I'm like, that's gonna do it's a rom com. I insist. And by Coco, you mean COVID, just for you know, sorry, yeah. Oh, it seems like to me at this point, most people that I know have had it, so we're in, we're not in the time of fearing getting COVID, and we're more in the time of like having had COVID and being like, so what does this mean? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the download that I got from the Coco from my Coco journey was really about it's the kind of connects to the soundtrack because there's like a human tendency that we want to just be like combative and then it was like i triumphed and people were like i never got it and people were like well i did get it i lost and they were like you use this to combat there's like all this kind of language yeah. and then some people are like combat it with the vaccine people are like don't combat it with the vaccine and, and, da, da, da. and it's also so dramatic you know but it's like adaptability and evolution are kind of principles that remain the same despite the different variables. Like things change, like in the nature of Mother Earth, the land gets colder, and then we learn how to take the mud and make it into cob and build a house around us, whatever it is, you know? It's like we're kind of like everything can go, it can go really nefarious, and those are totally valid portals. But like just on the face of things. So something different is happening, right? And those who are adaptable and like learn how to dance with it, it's like alchemy, like you're making the cauldron. So somebody just threw cinnamon in the pot, but we still want it to taste good. So what do we need to add now? Mm-hmm. Like a little droplet of this, you know? So I'm like, okay, I feel there's a frequency in the air. Let me like take my shilji. Like I was saying, I woke up that day. I was like, there's like a ship. So I'm like, let me get my drops and put them in the water. It's like seeing it like a dance, I think, mm-hmm. instead of this. I do understand, you know, the war energy and the battle between light and dark. And Because I'm a minister's daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get the drama of it. I feel like my goal is to soften mm. and see it like zoom out. 
And the cocoa is a message. When I was like in it, I was feeling really like a code, like a message that we can take. And if we hear it, like kind of shift and adapt little nuances in our dance of like living here as daughters and keepers of earth. Kind of like if there's a pain in my body, regardless of why, maybe it's because I tripped and fell, maybe it's because I burned something, you know, it's like she's telling me like, oh, take your little poultice and like put it on here, you know? So then I just take my little poultice and I put it on there to bring the body back into the flow. So whatever it is that's coming in or going on, I think like as the medicine women, as the daughters of earth, we're like, okay, so mama's kind of like needing me to be a little bit more like this now, or like to put a little bit of this over here now, like just kind of like shift the dance as the alchemist like over the pot to keep things in balance. So I definitely know I, I edited a lot of my daily flow after my experience with the cocoa. I'm like in a very particular flow now, even with how I move through the day and how I wake up and like when I take my little, my sup, my things, you know, and when I'm steaming, I'm like steaming really consistently. I'm steaming once a week. I was steaming like once a month before. Different things like that, like that I felt to remain in balance with what was outside to shift these little things coming in. Does mm -hmm. that ramble make sense? Of yeah. course. Well, I'll say, of course, it does for me. I know. Uh, because, well, <laughs> well yeah. because it, it resonates with my experiences, which is pretty recent. Everyone in my family got COVID over Christmas. And which, depending on when people are listening to this, which at the time of the recording, that's like a month ago. And so, you know, I didn't feel like there was a lot of fear. I felt like there was definitely the topic of boundaries within the family coming up around how this came to happen and the stories and the feelings attached as sort of a top note that I think was a distraction. You know, it's like, let's not get lost in this. Or it's like, yes, we're a family. There's lots of dynamics. There are boundaries always to be dealt with. But like, what else? I found... I really, even as like a hermit archetype person, nobody would say this about me, but I feel that I'm still like giving all my energy away all the time to every little thing that comes up. It's just like when you watch that Wonder Woman movie and she just can't even get to the other side of the battlefield without stopping at every person that catches eye contact with her. You know, it's like that's that's, that's an archetype me. too. Not to say compare myself to Wonder Woman, but just with that kind <laughs> do of, it. <laughs> just to, to with that kind of bleeding heart kind of compassion that is as opposed to like a composed compassion that checks in with myself and says like, do I have enough to run my organs before I'm thinking about giving something away here and there and there and whatever. So it felt like a continuation of 2020 and, and where you're not allowed to go out. You're not allowed to see someone. You're not allowed to go visit a new baby after they were born with a bunch of food and like the things that I just feel like, of course you have to do all the time. And so not being allowed to, you know, I have COVID. Well, you're not allowed to come here. Then there's no guilt about not going <laughs> to yeah. that party yeah, or gathering. Yeah. And not only not guilt, but no deliberation. Like the energy that we lose deciding, should I do that? Yeah. It can be expensive just to go into a decision-making process. So it's like the mother just being like, I, no, I'm deciding for you. And yeah. when there is an appropriate opportunity to 
give over some of our responsibility. Usually it's to the goddess, you know, that's mm-hmm. the appropriate time. And it's just like, okay, thanks mom. Like, thanks for just yeah. clarifying that like my place right now is alone on, you know, side of this hill, yeah. just being in the void and being, being with my discomfort, just like that lesson of that, not trying to escape and not, not trying to make everything and everyone myself or others comfortable, just being like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable right now. My body is healing. This I'm, this is the healing. I don't yeah. need to do anything. And it's interesting because we talked about living the age of like things being very curated and it's something that just takes you to a raw, like when you're sick, you just, you can't be cute. It just takes you to a raw place. And that's how, that's how initiation has always been for me. We talked about being like a woman with magic and like handling the karma. though at the same time, I'm not really full on in my white dress twirling around on the beach every day. I'm like spreading light. Like that's not been how the path has been for me. You know, it's been like a lot of wild moments and they really felt as initiations. It's really felt like, that's the initiation. So when I was like sweating in my tent in Taos, I really felt, oh, it's initiation energy. Let me get quiet and like scan, like listen. Like somebody, somebody else is talking, let me listen. And then when I listen though, it's just as you said. My body was like screaming. It's as though at one point I was like laying there and I, I was seeing like a sh- like shape, like a grid of my energy field. And it was as though I was just fully pointed out, mm-hmm. like so out of balance and so egoic really to be like, I must give to all every womb must I steam. It's like, who do you think you are? Even it's not even <laughs> and in the like anxiety mind, it comes from like a place of, oh, I want to care, but it's really I was laughing at myself at how arrogant and silly it really is to feel that I need to handle all the things. And so it forced a big release, you know. And I had a fever to a point that affected my tooth and made like an abscess and I had to like come back home and then let's leave the apartment. It just like was a series of events that cleared a lot of things away. Mm-hmm. And I felt such a clarity, like initiation, you know, like you go in and you're like, ah, ah, and then you're like, gracias, gracias, madre tierra. And then you really, the clarity in the morning. Yeah, this is interesting, the kind of archetypes that you're touching on, because I have a very multicultural background. And so for me to get in touch with my roots or offer from my own ancestry is a very complex tapestry. Of, <laughs> That's good wording. <laughs> you know, it's like weaving. There's like basic techniques and then there's like really knowing how to weave. And it's like, it's not, I don't know. It's, it's loud in here is what I like to say. It's a loud table with a lot of arguing for who, what side gets the entree and what side has to be the side dish at this ritual feast. Uh, and scolding if I, you know, I didn't invite certain ancestors onto the plate, you know, yeah. whatever. So always negotiation. But a big part of the actual offering that I make with our year-long group is in the wise woman tradition. And the wise woman tradition 
this idea you were saying earlier about like, there's the cauldron and like someone put cinnamon in it and like, maybe that could taste good, but like maybe someone else was doing a dill thing and like now you've got <laughs> dill and cinnamon and like, how do you, where do you go from exactly. there? <laughs> Which I think is a big question of the times is like, where do we go from there? The dill and the cinnamon are both in the pot. Uh, <laughs> but that is the question. And in a wise woman tradition, like it's not a reductive tradition. Like there's no purging. There's no like stimulating a purge or like colonics or like removing because the idea is that the earth is a closed loop system there's no getting anything off the planet like so you need to bring something else in to balance out what is and what is is directed by goddess so it's not up to us like how many kids she has and how many siblings we have to accommodate at the table that are going to touch all our toys and break all our toys and ruin our lives it's up to us to grow up and a learn to be at the table with them and you know, do what we need to do for ourselves to make the meal still palatable, etc. That is a way that I approach things most of the time. And then South American Afro-Caribbean traditions that I've practiced in, like they do have work with purgative plants. And I have had a lot of real healing from things like cambo and ayahuasca and things where purging or getting well is part of it and is welcomed or encouraged. So what I've kind of come to that resolves these two parts of myself or these two different traditions that I have within me is that if you're really in the wise woman tradition and you're really like no purging, it just means that maybe you're not going to ever go seek like um, tobacco up your nose or cambo frog poison, like to make yourself purge, but there is just illness and you will purge. Right, uh, right. And it's not as if there's no purging in the wise woman tradition. It's just not part of the tool bag and philosophy. But so then what happens when you find yourself doing it? Well, guess that was the medicine that was needed, right? So for right. me, as someone who, who doesn't like reach for purgatives as a first, second, or even third option, like yeah. usually it's a last resort. Right has found having COVID to be a big purge energetically, emotionally, boundaries, relationships, my physical space, and for that to feel really good. Just like when I say, oh, it's really loud in here. It got quiet in here. Right. And that was wonderful. <laughs> you know what? I love that. And it resonates so much. As I learned the plant medicine, the way that medicines like the grandmother medicine, ayahuasca, and grandfather medicine, peyote and tambo, these medicines, part of the healing magic of them is inherently that they're not sought out. That it's like if the medicine is to work with you, it's like she comes to you. So because now we're we're living in times where you can you can be like Google search like ayahuasca journey near me and then Oh God, really? You know, and have, (laughs) I don't know, you know what I mean? And like have this interaction. Meetup.com. Yeah, like on meetup.com or (laughs) I don't know, you know. (laughs) It's like um, part of the (laughs) And it's Um, like, I don't know, like here's one. You know, in this Brooklyn apartment or over here, over there. And I'm gonna say something about that after this thing, this thought gets out, but it's like Part of the way as I was taught with the plants is that you just, it's something where 
Mother Earth is sending you what you need. Mm -hmm. So the only seeking that you would do would be really, you know, on an energetic level, not like you find in terms of the purgative. It's like when it's time, like it will just come up. Mm -hmm. And it's like if she sends a medicine person in the physical to like bring that medicine at that time and it's like in your flow or it's just like you're sitting there and it comes up or it was like a series of events in that day or it was a quote virus or it was like a this, whatever needs to happen, it's going to happen because mama is all. Mm. I really like feel that we have to just let it flow and keep the soundtrack. And like when you're puking, like puke and like feel the cycles, how they're all kind of connected and necessary to go up, you come down and we're really in such like people are feeling so divisive, divisive. And what's magical about these wild polarities is that they're so similar. Like people yelling on either side are the two are people who enjoy yelling and like getting and feeling strong about things and then like yelling at other people about things, but everything is the circle and it's like going like this. And when you're like closest together, it's like, like the magnet, but it's cause like, we're so close together from if you look at it from that other perspective if there is a zenith there's a nadir if there's me then there is an all and then we know everything is also a circle so it's like when we reach these points we're really so close mm, thank you uh what i'm hearing and when you're talking about learning that you don't necessarily go seeking like the big cathartic healing but if that's what you need and you're really in being present and uh, I'm just hearing like kind of the magic of prayer like just yeah. you describing how it works is like if you're in your prayer and it, it's a good prayer then goddess will send you whatever you need and that's why sometimes in my life I have had amazing opportunities to sit with people in beautiful healing traditions and really deep experiences. And I've been like, this is great. This is me. This is it. I want to give myself to this. And the door just shuts. It's like, no, yeah. this is just something that was brought to you at this time. Or yeah. people will ask me a lot like for recommendations or like contact information so they can like have the experiences that I had. And I'm just like, it's not actually like, it's not that I don't want to give it to you. It's like, I don't even have that person's information anymore. Yes. That was before cell phones. And that was something that yes. came in in the most synchronistic way. It was like the day that I put out the prayer, someone walked into the I was working in and said, hey, I'm part of this church or this thing and whatever. So I'm happy just to hear that because sometimes when I talk about something and, they, and it touches them and then they're like, oh, so like you're, you're going to tell me how I can have that experience too. And I'm like, eh. Uh -uh. <laughs> exactly. I, guess, I guess you just did because it like tell people how to pray for yeah. what you need and yeah. then you will have not the same experience but the the one that is the analog for you and yeah. what you need because it's yeah, probably it's not like, the same but probably not the same <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it and that is how my journey has been and then people say like when people even ask like who are your teachers I'm like, oh, well, how deep do you want to take it? Because like, oh, you know, how much did, time do you have to listen? Yeah, to like, how much answer? time do you have? You know, I did live with the medicine man in that tent. And I really resonate with the part where you were like, when you're in it, because that's me too. <laughs> it's just our archetype. It's like, when you're in it, you're like, yes, this is me. 
this is the road I shall walk. <laughs> this is the one. I'm like that too. It's like really, especially when I was doing prayer ceremony with the medicine man and his wife, medicine man and Victor and Ashoni and the tying of my tobacco knots. And I was just like, I was feeling, I was like, this is me. This is forever. This is all I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And it was well, that's kind of beautiful time. too. I guess it maybe points to the timelessness of prayer space. Yes. So when you find yourself in any space with any tradition that is conducive yes. for you to come and take off your armor and be humble and make your prayer, there is a, a feeling to that. And that feeling probably is a timeless, faceless, yes. traditionless space that all of these are different roads that if it's an authentic road and it's a good road is leading to, in my opinion. <laughs> yes, I feel that. Like truth is one, past are many. But in my mind, it's like the quantum womb space. It's like you go into that mother source the womb energy like Mm. this is where everything comes from and then we have all these different ways of prayer and practices that kind of tap into the frequency like the space or like the frequency which for me resonates to the time the period or the moment when i was in what from the outside was like the clinical death space i have the feeling of that or like the memory of the feeling now and then the prayer space, it's a frequency, sensation, vibration, feels like that space. And then I think where we come together, because now times of appropriation, we're very sensitive and are awakening to the nuances of that. And that's beautiful to see. It's good. And we all need to learn together about it. But something beautiful is that we come together as sons and daughters of earth. Like no matter the body that we took, the shading, based on the location to the sun and, and such, we looked around earth and we're like, okay, what do we have here? Okay, we have a little bit of this, we have this. We can mix this and this and make that, then we can drink it, okay, you know? That's what we have. So this earth, this earth is what she's bringing us together. It's that, it's the thing. It cannot be disputed. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. And that's what I love about the womb scene practice. Coming from that place of not wanting to say, like, this is what I did. You should do exactly the same because this is how, and then this is my teacher that I give to you. And I just don't even know. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, there's that right-hand path, left-hand path thing. And there's just in our culture where it's like, right is good. So left must be bad. My grandmother and one of my Arawak teachers' grandmother also had were left-handed, so apparently seems to be an Arawak thing, and they would tie their hands, their left hand to their body in the boarding schools, or for my grandma, just in regular school, so that they could be right, and they could write with their right hand and be right. That's not actually any intrinsic part of the meaning of right and left-hand path. It just means some people learn one thing from one teacher and get the permission to pass the lineage on and and it's all cut and dry. And there's not a need for as much of that sensitive, nuanced, all learning together about the different ways and the subtleties and and the alchemy. And then the left-hand path is like not as straightforward, but also of God. And I experience it as a configuration, like our astrological sign. That's not something that we choose, whether or not we're on the right-hand path or the left-hand path. 
it's often something we're born into we're born in through a family yeah i do culture yeah. that will support that kind of embodiment actually go back to what something you've touched on or alluded to a little bit in this conversation it's out there on your website it's something you speak about that your journey took a turn for the mystical when you had a near-death experience that left you in a coma with a traumatic brain injury and this i mean obviously it sounds like it was very difficult so i want to acknowledge that sounds very difficult but then curiosity in me is also very interested just like this is fascinating because you're not the only person i know who's a really talented wise skillful healer whose skills accelerated exponentially through a serious head injury and so that idea that just that is an archetypal thing that's available that, that to, I mean, to really break open in that in the most literal way <laughs> and i'm curious just i want i want to get in there with you about that you've been on the other side of the veil and you've returned are you open to answering some like really specific questions about that experience oh yeah this is really good yeah i love that yeah i was thinking too like if we really like to me we really just knew what to do with some science we just figure out how to just be giving people head injuries all over the place, you know? <laughs> That's really what I think. Like, we just got to master these blows and, like, open up the spot. But... <laughs> well, honestly, you know, for better or for worse, I am pretty sure that, like, far in the future that we will yeah, sure. have that because of... I mean, I, I do consider it kind of a... Some people are just like, it's just our creativity and we're going to go forth and explore. We're explorers as a species. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I hold as neutral a narrative about that. I think <laughs> that when toddlers are playing, they can be very destructive. Yeah. And our creative and playful impulses when not trained by nurturing forces can, can cause a lot of harm and be really destructive. So I think our sort of creativity unchecked i feel like becomes destructive energy and and that like our unchecked creativity around like fusion of, of medicine and right. science it's actually picked up a lot in the last period of time and i didn't know about it and i've recently learned like just how different going for medical care is than it ever was and how technology infused experimental and strange yeah like, different kinds of treatments are. So I'm positive, sadly, I don't want to say positive because then that becomes a spell, but I'm pretty sure 
that in the future you can be like, hey, I went to the ceremony once and it was really cool. And I think I'd like to be a shaman when I grow up. So I'm going to go to this. I'm not going to go to study with a traditional healer. I'm going to go to my doctor's office and I'm going to shaman have, laser treatment. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to pay for this expensive out of pocket procedure that's going to just open that door in my brain. And there I go. And whatever. I mean, I think that the karmas are going to get a lot wilder alongside of this, these growth trajectories. If we go deep in the movie though, like if this (laughs) is the movie, because it would be the wealthier like classes first who would have access to this ability. And like, even that is how it plays out. Like along my medicine women's journey, you know, like there's like a certain frequency of people who are very like pulled to having like, is my little personal priestess i don't know i was in la a lot in 2021 and that's part of what the coco yeah. like put me back in my mama's house like get her out yeah. my ancestors were like get out yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but i mean may that whole area and region be blessed it's like strong actually there's such like frequency of original peoples of the land you could feel like underneath the concrete and i was feeling all sorts of different sensations even I would be walking around where my apartment was in Santa Monica and I was feeling this and seeing this like visual, like going down under the concrete, down my bare feet, like down, down, down. And like feeling the buried, like the peoples and the cultures that we had like poured the concrete over. It was hard even to take walks. It's interesting. I would see these different visuals. Little quick sojourn there. Do you follow artist lady soulfly no but i feel like i want to yeah you definitely do <laughs> she's okay. um, in a lot of my taino community circles and is really accomplished stylist i think maybe would be the term but really helping a lot of people in the community like express I guess, I don't know, if I'm describing someone else's work, I don't want to get it wrong. But from my perspective, it's like, if you make an album or something, you do work that you're proud of, and it's time to like have your photo shoot for your, your album, like helping people bring that vision to fruition. And recently, I've just seen more different kinds of, of work and seen some video and photos from what seems to be shamanic performing arts projects where people are going into the inlets and the, I don't know what you'd call them, bays and canals around uh, LA and doing ceremony for healing the waters, like doing traditional ceremonies for healing the waters, but like in a really contemporary way. It's like young contemporary, like urban artists, uh, multicultural artists bringing that, like fusing those worlds. And so just wanted to kind of maybe put that on your radar that you might enjoy connecting with her and the work that she's doing that seems to be paying attention to those same things. It's like the water is still here, even in these forms that we've forced you to take as one of my poet healer friends, Eve Bradford likes to say, you know, these these forms that we force these things to take, you know, that we can not forget them, not forget to connect with them after we put them through this whole refining process. <laughs> I resonate mm-hmm. with that. Yes. I'd love to see her work. And I do Aww. feel that. And then in seeing that it's also soothing in a sense, and it takes it back to 
that overwhelm that we even discussed before of like feeling all of these energies and thinking or feeling like I need to carry all of this work. It's like, yeah, yeah. you felt that. That's something that mama needs. And then there's this person over here who's handling it. And then you can like go and contribute, but don't think you need to take on additionally this whole storyline. So that's beautiful. I do like discovering um, somebody that's doing something really specifically that I feel I would want to get done in the world. Yeah, because maybe you can connect and do some things together. Or maybe it's a situation (laughs) of like, oh, I was really carrying this really heavy load because I felt like I had to do all the things that I see and meet all the needs that I could hear and feel myself. And now seeing this other beautiful sister doing the work so completely, I can yeah. maybe put that piece down and yeah. know, like rest easier knowing that it's being tended to and, and I can take care of myself or tend to something else. Yeah, which is part of the whole Coco message. Mm. Take care of yourself and let mama handle it. Mm. Amazing. Oh, okay, questions. Yes. The, yes, the questions about <laughs> the actual near-death experience, because, you know, we're kind of talking about these different roads into both prayer space and just divine or mystical space and medicine or prayer or ceremony or ritual or womb steaming or this medicine or that medicine or a traumatic injury or a disease, that these are all different things that bring us to wherever it is that we need to be. Just allowing my own personal curiosity around this event in your life to guide me and maybe just paint a picture of like what was that like to go through so nobody's sitting around being like i wish i had a cat injury that turned me into a powerful medicine woman (laughs) you know not that anyone thinks that way but they do though really (laughs) like yeah so i'm curious like I'm imagining that maybe you're a completely different person then. And I'm curious, like, do you remember, it says you're on foot. So do you remember, like, where were you going? Or what were you thinking about, like, right before it happened? Do you have those memories? Oh, yeah. It's so magical. So I was, so Lavana Santa Caesar was doing a master's in poetry. And I was writing my thesis. My thesis was about the Voces del Polvo. It was um, English, Spanish, and some Nahuatl, and telling the story of this brown woman who's pregnant in poetic form, and she's crossing this border. She's going from this brown land to the white land. In the middle of the desert, she miscarries her baby. She loses her baby, and she dies. She goes into this liminal space. It was the poetics of the liminal space. She goes into this liminal space, and she's visited by um, these seven Aztec goddess energies. And they give her this name, Solalcatl, the sound of the dust, the sound of the dust, the sound of the earth. And they tell her, you are this La Llorona ghost figure, like who haunts the liminal space between the borderlands. And you can appear to travelers where they are and ask them, I can give you the water of my tears and the breast milk like that would like flowing from her breast and guide you to this border that you can cross or to that border that you can cross. But she herself couldn't. And she stayed in liminal space and couldn't take form. So I was like obsessing over this poem. And And then my mouth is from Cal State LA. So I'd gone from Cal State LA to Madison, Wisconsin, where I was like working on this farm. So I was like just trying to get the poem out, you know. 
And then Cal State LA was like, oh, we want to give you an award for one of the poems, and you're going to get a check. So I was like, oh, I'll fly back and get this check. I fly back and I get my check. But this whole time, I'm just like, I'm really in the writing space. So I'm just with this story of this woman. And it's like, I'm dreaming it. I'm like seeing her. I'm like trying to get this story out. I, I'm just like, I feel it's just, I'm carrying it heavy. I go, I read the poem and the thing. I get the check. I go and I get actually this tattoo, the peacock going across my body, which is intriguing because the peacock is Oshun. And then because of the tattoo, I'm like a little bit late for the plane because I was trying to get everything in. So I miss the one flight, which puts me on a different flight, which puts me on a different bus, which gets me there at a different time, which puts me on a different bus, which I get off, drop my things, get on a different one to just go back and walk into work. I was working at Shakti Bookstore. Is that what it's called? Shakti Bookstore. They have like yoga books and poetry and stuff. And when I get off the bus, I'm walking, I get hit by the car. <laughs> you thought I forgot about the car. <laughs> I was like, in the year 1979, <laughs> I was born. <laughs> I took it way back. But I see it like that circle that whole time. Because it, wow. it felt all really. Da, da, da. So I was like getting off. And then I was saying, I'm going to be a little late. I was on the phone. And I was saying, I called the place to tell them I was going to be a little bit late because the tattoo to the plane to that it like had thrown off the rhythm. And oh, 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 an important detail is that if I, because if I had been on time and whatever, it's like I took a bus. It's like the job was here on State Street in Madison. So it's like the normal bus I took would get me, drop me off here and then I would walk to work like this. But that other one had dropped me off here and I was like walking to work from the other side. And then that's where she, it's like I never even crossed that intersection, you know? Just like a, the little things, yeah. But I would think about that constantly in the early days <laughs> wow. of my reintegration. And I think it's intriguing. I wrote myself into the story. Yeah. It's much more prismatic than I imagined. So I'm glad I asked. <laughs> and that, you know, I didn't know that you had a peacock tattoo and I did not know that the peacock is associated with Oshun in the tantric traditions the peacock is Matangi and Matangi is definitely the medicine woman and poetry and speech and erotic creative mysticism and woman nectar so I love making those syncretic connections it's my jam thank you I see so then do you have memories of where your consciousness or soul went while your body was, I don't know, was it clinically dead uh, in yeah. a coma? I guess it went from clinically dead to coma to in-body. I guess that's how it would go. Um, it's like when they found me, then they took me to the hospital that I was in the coma. And it was like a Glasgow coma scale something number. That was like in the court case. So I guess it was like it went deep. But it wasn't like weeks. It was like a day in linear time. Mm. So used to be, I would, to try to articulate about it, I would just kind of start like shaking, crying. Mm. Well, we but don't need to go there so, if you don't want to. <laughs> no, we won't anymore. That's like, it's 10 years now. It's like, but that's how beautiful that frequency is to try to tap back in and stay embodied. But you know, it's that orgasmic space of prayer that it's like the little 
you know, le petit mot, like the French call the orgasm the little death. Mm. It's the little death. So mm. I had a little death. Mm. It's so beautiful. But I think what I would best, having now imagined into this very extensively, the language I would best put around it is almost like, um, kind of like the other side of, of, the, of the this, of the heaviness. It's like the other side of it. So very close, but the opposite of this, you know, and this. And it's like right there. It's the same almost, but I would, that's where I was at least, but just like the other side. So mm. the other side of two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. It's like, it was close to that, but it was just the total opposite. Mm. Just the timelessness. And I was in a taxi, an Uber in Chattanooga. And then I started talking to the driver and we both had a death experience. And then he's like, well, what I'm never going to ask you that they always ask you is how long were you on the other side for? Ha ha ha. And he, he was like this old like guy, like a magical farmer kind of archetype. And then we both started cackling together about it. And it was like this unspoken understanding because it's people in the linear always want to ask you, well, how long were you non-linear? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Forever. Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> and I do feel like when I wake up in the morning is when it's most like, almost like a taste in my mouth. So, and I just pray that it doesn't fade with time. Even if it makes it harder to make it through the day, I'm like, no, I, cause I love it. I just, and it's like, um, the, you know, the remembrance of, this being in this quantum womb, all that is. So it's really beautiful. But the first kind of memory kind of that I had was this being in white, who I originally was would say like the doctor brought me over to this body, this me, like what what we're both seeing on the table, on the hospital. And then they were like, this is the body of LeBron Natasha Caesar you'll go in there to finish the work and then a feeling of like like you know it wasn't like a conversation but like no no like no like and it was like and just a sense of like that's not gonna be fun like this is way more amazing and then it's like the crown soften and open and pull almost and then it was like and then it's like a lock Almost like it's like, and then you're looking up from inside of it, not down at it. And then the horror, which is what they call the PTSD, I guess, of like being now contained. It's mm -hmm. like if you were floating in a pool of water and then it slowly hardened like a concrete around you. Mm -hmm. You're just stuck in the position that you were floating in. <laughs> <laughs> That is life. No, <laughs> a holiday message from Jenna. <laughs> well, I think actually a lot of people feel that way and and come to a more uh, like non-traditional healing work from like for that being like, I remember something way more awesome and liber I remember being free. <laughs> <laughs> and I've experienced my body or this life as a prison. And like, what do I do? Because most people think I'm just a huge downer, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. like a real that's common real. thing. So I think it's good just 
that you're speaking to it because that really helps just open up some energies of shame around those kind of feelings and right. visibility into like it's that's a completely normal response to embodiment when you know you come in with your consciousness already developed to a certain degree which many of us choose to for <laughs> one reason or another If you're feeling some relief, amusement, and general fresh energy moving in response to the raw authenticity of Jaguar's transmission, we encourage you to stay with us for part two of the conversation, where we'll be exploring what it was like to integrate such a profound experience, as well as making peace with the changes to our personalities, identities, and creative work that accompany the breakthroughs on our healing journey. In the meantime, you can visit the show notes of this episode to find all the places where you can connect with Jaguar's work, including www.wombnation.com. You can also click the link in the show notes today to explore all the benefits of becoming a member of our Library of Earth Magic on Patreon. Membership supports us in continuing to be able to create new episodes of the podcast and also gets you bonus episodes with our podcast guests, along with hundreds of other Skillshares, recipes, workshops, patrons-only merchandise, discount codes, access to seasonal live online fellowship circles, and other Earthside survival guides created to support you as you walk the green road. As always, thank you for listening. It's a pleasure getting well with you. Hey, baby, born anybody.